Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship from 4pm at North Lakes State College on the corner of Discovery Drive and Joiner Circuit. We hope you enjoy this great message from our Sunday service and come for a visit someday soon. Father, we do declare you the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We celebrate you, Jesus, on this Resurrection Sunday. We stop in everything that is going on around about us. God, we stop and we say thank you. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for the free gift, the gift of salvation. Thank you for coming to the earth and dying in our place. We stop and we honor you. You are the King of kings praise you forever, King of Kings. Amen. Amen. Well, I woke up this morning with such an excitement in my spirit. Today is Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is my all-time favorite holiday. I just think Resurrection Sunday is the most exciting, most significant time of the year. Yes, I think Christmas is great. Christmas is wonderful. But Jesus' life has no significance whatsoever if he doesn't die and resurrect. You and I know salvation, not because of his birth. We know it because of the victory of the cross and resurrection. And so today, uh, on Easter Resurrection Sunday, I want to bless you. I want to bless your family. I'm so excited. Our family woke up excited today. And I pray that there is some joy in your house today on this Resurrection Sunday. You know, I am aware that there might be some people watching today. And, and even around Jesus and Christianity, there might be some skepticism. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people who find it hard to reconcile and understand uh, mentally the things of God. I'm so glad that God gave us a spirit that we are not to perceive him necessarily with our minds, but we're to perceive him with our spirits. Maybe you're finding right now as you're watching this that you might find that you're in a similar place to this right now. I want to tell you, I don't believe that Jesus is bothered by doubt, and I don't believe that Jesus is bothered by skepticism. Our questions, our doubts, and even our skeptical moments Uh, He is big enough to overcome them. And I believe that that he is not bothered by hard questions. I remember when I was a kid and I would ask my mom uh, a certain question. She would give me the typical mom answer, no. And I would say, but why, mom? But why is it like this? And she would say, because I'm your mother and I said so. The cool thing about Jesus is Jesus doesn't do that to us. He doesn't say, because I'm the Lord and I said so. I think that there is great grace for our skepticism. There is great grace for our doubts. Even now, as we're in the middle of of isolation and we're in the middle of social distancing, the world, the global landscape has changed significant. Doubt would creep into our hearts even now. And I want to say to you this. The grace of Jesus is so much bigger than us having it all together, knowing all of the answers, and never having moments of doubt. In in fact, Jesus' first disciples 
had their doubts. When Jesus first revealed himself to his disciples, they had a real hard time getting their heads around it, especially Thomas. I want to take a look at that story uh, uh, today. Uh, Starting in John chapter 20, verse 24, it says, Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. That's when Jesus came and revealed himself to the disciples in the first place. Thomas was missing on that first occasion. The other disciples therefore said to Thomas, We have seen the Lord. Thomas was a little confused. He said to them, Unless I see his hands and the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I kind of understand where he's coming from, truthfully. Thomas uh, was one of Jesus's 12 followers. And Thomas, I believe, gets a bad rap. They call him Doubting Thomas. I'll be honest with you, I don't tend to believe in ghosts. I don't often subscribe to hocus-pocus stories of people raising from the dead and and ghosts. And I I don't know, I'm a bit of a realist. That type of stuff, um, you know, is not common occurrence. And I think Thomas has good reason for doubting. In this moment, his, his brothers, his, the, the other disciples say, hey, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas is going, are you guys having, having a go at me? Are you guys teasing? Are you guys joking right now? That's ridiculous. Unless I see it, I won't believe it. And I think Thomas has a fair point. In fact, I think that most of humanity has a see it to believe it type mindset. We want to believe in the real. We want to believe in the authentic. And I am so glad that Jesus makes room even for the skeptic after his death and resurrection. I want to pick up that story in John 20. It says, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas is now with them. And Jesus came and the doors being shut stood in their midst and said, peace to you. He said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answers him and says, my Lord and my God. Yeah, I would be saying OMG as well. I'd be saying, oh my God. God, how can this be? How I just watched you die the most gruesome death. I just watched you be buried in a tomb. How is it that you're here? OMG! And uh, Thomas was the very first one who says, OMG. We, we think that that's a new thing for all the millennials. Nope, OMG was, was quoted from Thomas. My Lord and my God. He is now having the revelation of Jesus being the resurrected king. I love that Jesus is bigger than Thomas's doubts. He's bigger than Thomas's skepticism. He comes to Thomas personally and says, hey, Thomas, reach out and touch me. Reach out and experience me. Reach out and see the nail holes in me. Reach out 
and feel the wound in my side and see that my scars and my wounds are real. Wow, what a powerful moment. I don't know how I would respond in that moment. That is a super OMG moment. Have you ever stopped to think why Jesus resurrects and is still bearing the scars? Why would he not resurrect and have a clean bill of health? Why would he not resurrect and, and have his wounds fully healed and restored? The reality is he could have shown up and had it all wiped away, and yet he intentionally shows up still carrying his scars. Why is it that for all of eternity, Jesus is still carrying those stars? It's true, when you and I get to heaven, there's going to be a place where we're going to have a restored body. We're not going to be in this image anymore. There's going to be no weeping, no sickness. When we get to heaven, we're going to be totally restored. But God, uh, Jesus, shows up still bearing these marks, still bearing these scars, and will continue to do so for all of eternity. I think that is profound. And with our time remaining, I just want to look at five powerful truths that we can look this Resurrection Sunday and find in the scars of Jesus. Jesus' wounds, Jesus' scars carry much power. And I want to spend our time looking at that together. Number one, Jesus' scars prove that He is the resurrected Lord. Jesus' scars prove that He was the resurrected Lord. As I first mentioned, uh, the first followers were not all that faith-filled. The first followers were actually quite doubtful. They were quite skeptical. When the, when the, um, they were actually all doubters when they first started hearing. Jesus told everybody what he was going to do. Jesus actually prophesied that there is going to be a, a time where he would be murdered and, 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 and killed and resurrect on the third day. And even then, Peter rebukes him and says, Lord, that will never happen. Jesus spoke about his death and his resurrection quite frequently. He was trying to assure his guys that, hey, this is going to happen. It's going to be okay. And even when he was prophesying it, they were doubting. Uh, Peter says, no way, Jesus, that will never happen. That's the moment where Jesus actually rebukes Peter and calls him Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus knew that this had to happen. Everybody knew that Jesus had spoken about it. And yet, when the first women come to the tomb, they didn't go looking for the resurrected Savior. They weren't looking for a resurrected Jesus. In fact, when the first women went to the tomb, they went with their embalming oils to embalm his dead body. When Mary Magdalene got there first, she saw that the stone was removed, and she ran and told all the disciples that Jesus' body had been taken. Mary herself wasn't all that filled with faith. She wasn't looking for a resurrected Savior, even though Jesus told us all that that was how it was going to happen. G Mary 
fully believed that Jesus' body had been stolen. Thomas, we've just read, says, unless I see the nail marks myself, I will not believe. And yet Thomas is invited to touch and experience the wounds and the scars of Jesus. Those wounds and those scars were a testimony to the fact that he was the one, that he was the Messiah, that he was the same one who worked the miracles, that he was the same one that forgave sins, that he was the same one who was murdered on the cross. The evidence was found as marks on his body. These marks now served as evidence that he is, in fact, the resurrected king. For many of us today, uh, Jesus is not simply asking us to believe in some character in a storybook. Jesus doesn't tell us that we're just supposed to read the storybook and believe. No, Jesus now invites us through the Holy Spirit to experience his resurrection life. I'm so glad that Christianity is not some help, uh, self-help uh, philosophy. Christianity is not some nice fable that we tell ourselves to sleep at night. Christianity is a, is a, is a living, uh, a breathing Christ who has resurrected and he invites us even now to experience his goodness. I had heard the story of Jesus. I had heard the story of his death and his resurrection. And there was this divine moment when I was in a church meeting where when I had heard that story, the Holy Spirit illuminated that to me and it was more than a story. I knew that Jesus really was who he said he was. I knew that he was the resurrected king. The second uh, big powerful truth that comes from Jesus's scars is that it proves that he is our eternal defender. Jesus is our eternal defender. His scars prove that he is our eternal defender. Paul tells us in his letter to Timothy that we have an accuser, that Satan is our accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. That Satan is always going before our Heavenly Father and he's reminding him of who we are and, and the things that we've done. He's always bringing up our past. He's always pointing out our failures and reminding us of our shortcomings. We have a very real accuser. But Paul also tells us that whilst we have an accuser, we have a defender a mediator, one who goes to God on our behalf. In 1 Timothy 2.5, Paul tells us that there is, uh, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, that is Jesus. Whilst we have an accuser that is constantly trying to create a chasm or a rift in our relationship with God, we have a defender, a mediator, who is constantly bringing a good news report about us to Father. Uh, Paul continues this in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, where it says, Who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore also risen, who is even at the right hand of God? No, he makes intercession for us. Do you know that God is seated right now 
at, uh, sorry, Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he is making intercession. He is mediating. He is defending us against the accuser who is constantly trying to remind us of our failures and our shortcomings. Jesus' victory on the cross continually mediates and defends us before Father. His scars stand proof that in the face of any accusation, we are now in right standing as Christ is our defender. When the accuser comes, when he comes to point the finger and remind us of our past, Jesus simply holds up his hands and says, talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. Because when you talk to the hand, you're looking at the nails. You're looking at the nail marks that were on his hands when he was crucified. All he has to do is put up his hand and the devil knows it's time to shut up. I cannot accuse anymore that the, the scars and the wounds of Christ were enough. The third powerful truth I want to look at is that Jesus's scars are proof that he sympathizes with our suffering. Jesus' scars are proof that he sympathizes with our suffering. It would be easy to think that Jesus, being God, would have no real understanding of suffering because he's God. Uh, this line of thinking couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus' scars are actually proof that he himself endured great suffering. He understands suffering because he understood suffering. Uh, the writer of Hebrews encourages us with Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. It says that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us therefore boldly come to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't have a God. We don't have a priest. Jesus is not sitting in heaven, distant and indifferent to the things that we are going through. No, we have a Savior. We have King Jesus who sympathizes and understands everything that we are going through in our lives because he himself was tempted and tested in, in, in every way. Jesus understands suffering because he suffered. His scars are the testimony to his suffering. He understands temptation because he was tempted. He understands rejection. He understands loneliness and he understands isolation because he was rejected by men and he was ultimately cut off from his father saying, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has the scars to prove that he understands what you and I are going through. This is one of the other amazing things that makes Christianity different to all the other world religions. No other faith system or religion can boast what Jesus boasts, that he identifies with our suffering. 
that God has actually been in our shoes and knows what we are going through and understands our situation. Every other world religion describes God as a God who is indifferent and even cold towards humanity. Christianity, on the other hand, tells us that God was so burdened by our condition, God was so burdened by our suffering that he left the comforts of heaven to come to earth to pursue us, to come and suffer as one of us and to die in our place. And his scars, his wounds are proof that we could be free. When we pray, we need to realize that God is not distant or indifferent, but God knows everything that you're going through. He understands the situations that you are facing. And so to all the who's, who, who have friends that say, oh, I understand what you're going through. You know, sometimes we have people who say those things to us. And, and truthfully, I don't always believe it. But when we pray, we know that we're not praying to a God who is indifferent. We are talking to a Savior who sympathizes with our situation. Number four, Jesus's scars prove his eternal glory. Jesus is wearing the scars of heaven, the scars of the cross throughout all of eternity. For some people, their scars are mementos of tremendous amounts of pain and even shame. I know that some people carry wounds in their heart Wounds that are not visible, but those wounds are scars. And, and those wounds, visible or invisible, are linked to moments of tremendous pain. For others, scars can be mementos of tremendous victories. My kids go to the skate park, and every time they try to do something new, they try to do a new trick, they always come home a little bit bloody. They've got wounds. They've got scars. And I tell them, don't worry, boys. Chicks dig scars. Uh, scars are a sign of your victory. You pulled that trick off. A fireman who runs into a burning house, who might receive burns on his body, who saves children and families from horrible house fires. When he looks at his scars, he doesn't see them as mementos of pain and suffering. He sees them as mementos of tremendous victory. For Jesus, when he looks at his scars, he doesn't see his scars as symbols of pain and shame. No, they are scars of victory. His wounds signify for all of eternity that God is glorified, that his, he has won the victory for you and I, and his scars declare his victory for all of eternity. Jesus' scars will forever declare that he is the resurrected one, that he is the King of kings, that he is the Lord of lords. He is the one who triumphed over sin and death and the accuser. He has triumphed over Satan, and you and I get to enter in to that glory. You know, as I mentioned before, many of us would carry wounds in our own hearts, many of them invisible. We would have 
things that have happened in our past, things that we would call scarring moments. Paul records in his letter to the Corinthians that those who are in Christ are a new creation, that the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have been made new. That through the victory of Jesus, that through his scars, we can now be made a new creation. We don't have to carry the marks on our body because Jesus carries the marks on his. I want to encourage you, the only scars that are supposed to be talking are the scars of Jesus. My prayer for you is that whatever tragedies and circumstances have happened in your life, that you would know the liberating freedom of Jesus as it is outworked in your life. Jesus is not some fable or some storybook character. Jesus is the resurrected king who brings healing and new life to us. Here's the fifth and final one. Jesus' scars help us to never forget the victory of the cross. Jesus' scars are on his body for all of eternity. Even his resurrected body is still carrying those marks. He's doing it lest we forget. He did it that they would stand as a symbol, as a reminder to us the resurrection life that we now receive so freely wasn't so free. In Australia, we celebrate and we remember all of our fallen soldiers on Anzac Day. Uh, we celebrate on the 25th of April every year and we carry a slogan in our hearts. We say, lest we forget what our brave heroes have gone and done for us. It's easy to live in this great country, Australia, and live in all of our freedoms and live in all of our modern conveniences and live in our comfort and forget that all of our freedom wasn't free. Many men and women have gone before us and have paid the ultimate price by laying down their lives for us. And we stop and we celebrate that every year on the 25th of April and we declare, lest we forget. In the same way, Jesus' scars are on his body as a testimony to the resurrection life that we now enter into, lest we forget. Jesus' scars serve as a reminder that our freedom, that the newness of life, that the resurrection life, that salvation wasn't free. Sure, it's free to you and I, but it wasn't free. It cost Jesus everything. And so by a way of helping us remember, Jesus carries the scars on his body and he invites us to remember by participating in communion. In Luke 22, Jesus encourages us. It says, when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 apostles were with him. And then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body which has been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup, uh, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Lest we forget, Jesus wears the scars. Jesus reminds us through taking of communion the power of resurrection life that has come through his sacrifice in our place. Today is Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday, and I can't think of a better day to receive the communion emblems together. I hope that you have them prepared. If you have not yet prepared them, just take a moment, pause this video right now, right where it's out, just pause it, run into the kitchen, grab your communion I'm using a Jats cracker because it's what I had in the cupboard, and I'm using uh, some juice here. But we're going to receive the communion together. Please do not be confused. This communion is not a snack. This communion is not to be taken lightly. No, this is a moment of reverence. This is a moment of sobriety. In fact, Scripture actually challenges us that when we receive the communion, that we are to examine our hearts. We're to examine whether we're in right standing with God and whether we're in right standing with our brothers and sisters. Today, we get to celebrate new life through the scars of Jesus. And I want to pray as we get ready to receive the communion. One of the things that I always do when I receive communion is whatever the bread is, whether it's a cracker or or, or a piece of bread, or a, or, 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 or a tortilla, or whatever you've got, I always break it. I break it myself. And the reason I break it is because whoever has prepared your communion might have broken it for you. But when I break it, I personally do so because it reminds me that I was responsible for the breaking of Jesus' body, and I was responsible for the shedding of his blood. He didn't just do it for all of humanity. He did it for me. And so when I break it, it's my way of saying, I will never forget. I will never forget what I have done. And I will never forget, Jesus, what you have done. And so I want to pray, and then we're going to receive the communion emblems together. Would you join me? Lord, It's too wonderful. The cross is too wonderful. It's overwhelming. And on this Resurrection Sunday, we just stop and we say thank you. All of the freedom that we know, we know was not free. The price was paid by you as you became the sacrifice. You wear the scars 
in your feet. You wear the scars in your hands. You wear the scars in your side and around your head as symbols of trophies, as your glory, as a declaration of your glory that you purchased us out of sin and death. Today, we eat and drink in remembrance of you. We love you, God, with all our hearts. Amen. Jesus says that the, that the juice or the wine that was poured out is symbolic of the new covenant. That you and I are no longer the old, but we are now the new. Because he was pierced for our transgressions and his blood flowed, we can now know new life. Please drink. As you've often heard me say, Jesus is so much bigger than a storybook character. If you're out there and you're skeptical, if you're feeling like maybe you even have doubts about your faith, can I encourage you? Jesus is not bothered by your doubts. He's not bothered by your skepticism. Jesus is looking for hearts that would show even the slightest bit of faith, even the faith the size of a mustard seed. If we would come to him with the faith uh, the size of a mustard seed, he invites us into new relationship with him and promises that we can experience his presence through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not dead. Jesus lives. Jesus has been resurrected. And he invites us not just to believe the storybook, not just believe the writings of Scripture, but he invites us to experience it for our own selves. I grew up in a Christian family, and I heard all the stories. I could tell you all the Bible stories, but it wasn't until I had my own divine God moment that I didn't stop and surrender and yield to Jesus. I would live with God awareness, but I would not live with him as the Lord my God. I'm wondering if you're sitting out there today and you need to take a major step of faith I'm not asking if you're spiritual or if you even want to join our church. I'm actually asking, have you stopped and, and purposely applied your faith to Jesus? Have you ever stopped and said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me right in your eyes? Have you ever stopped and said, Jesus, I want to know you and experience the reality of your resurrection? If you've never done that, I would like to lead you right here and right now in this moment. This is a special moment. This is a divine moment. I believe right now that the power of the resurrected king is right now in your room, in your lounge room, or wherever you are watching this. I believe right now as we pray together that the power of God is going to be made manifest and that the scars of Jesus will be made evident in your life. I wonder who out there needs to pray, who out there needs to stop and do business with God today on Resurrection Sunday. If that's you, I would like to lead you in a prayer. 
the way that we're going to do it is I'm going to pray a little bit of that prayer and then I'm going to ask you to repeat that prayer after me and to mean it from a sincere place in your own heart and your own life. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you proved it when you went to the cross and died in my place. Your scars stand as a testimony to my salvation. Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Help me to know you in a personal and real way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now, I just dispatch the power of God into every household. I thank you, Lord, right now that you are, it's not that you did resurrect, it's you are resurrected. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we can know new life through you. Lord, I speak right now your power and your blessing over every family member. I thank you, Lord, right now that you are mighty to save, and we just celebrate you today, Jesus, on Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you found yourself praying that prayer uh, for, from a sincere place in your heart, we would love to connect with you. You know, before we sign off, I just want to take a moment and tell you uh, about a cool new feature that we have set up this week that enables us to connect and interact. I'm aware that some people just a minute ago prayed that prayer and invited Jesus into their lives. If that was you, you can actually click this Zoom link that is in the bio of whatever device you're streaming from, and you can connect with one of our new Christians team that would love to pray with you and talk to you about how you can get a Bible. I'm also aware that there might be people viewing and you need prayer. If that's you and you want prayer, we've now got prayer breakout chat rooms where you can join with one of our leaders and pray over key areas of need in your life. Lastly, uh, we would love to hear from you if you are new to Church Unlimited. If you're looking for a great church and you're looking to make connection, we would love to connect you to one of our new people's team and just tell you a little bit more about who we are as a church and hear from you and hear your story as well. And so all that information is in the bio. Why don't you just take a moment, click that link, and we would love to connect with you. From our family to yours on this Happy Easter Sunday. We want to say we love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed in the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday worship.